Imagine you're walking down the street and there's a huge crowd outside of a restaurant, straining to hear the live musicians inside. Now imagine across the street you see a guitarist playing alone on the sidewalk. There's a few coins in his open guitar case. Which musical performance do you think is better? Most people will go for the performer with the audience, even though they could get a solo show from the guy on the street corner. People want to do what they see other people doing. They want to read what they see other people reading. This phenomenon has been studied by scientists for a long time. It's called social proof. And we have a whole episode about social proof in our popular marketing psychology series. So how do readers determine which books are popular? Well, I'll tell you. They check the number of reviews that the book has on Amazon. <laughs> Admit it, you do it too. When you look at a book with five reviews and another book with 500 reviews, which book do you give more respect? But it's not just readers. The more reviews a book has, the higher it ranks in Amazon search results. The more reviews a book has, the easier it is to get listed on promo sites like BookBub. Goodreads has a whole promotion engine that only kicks in after a book gets 300 reviews. To him who has reviews, more reviews will be given. But to him who doesn't have reviews, no reviews will be given. So how do you get those reviews? How do you get the kind of reviews that lead to more reviews? How do you get that flywheel working in your favor? We'll find out on today's episode of Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. I'm Thomas Umstead, Jr., CEO of Author Media, and this is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and make a difference writing books worth talking about. And we have a special guest on the show today who is an expert in getting book reviews. He went from being a broke valet parker to a best-selling author and successful marketing strategist, and he sold over 100,000 books using low-cost marketing strategies. And now he shares those strategies with fellow authors to help them turn their passion for writing into a successful career. Derek Depker, welcome to the Novel Marketing Podcast. Glad to be here, Thomas. Thanks for having me. So how do you get more reviews? Well, it can break this down in, uh, i say, really three main parts. The first part is going to be finding those ideal readers, finding people who want to read a book like yours and in particular are open to leaving a review. So that's going to be a part one. The next part is going to be reaching out and actually getting them to say yes to reviewing your book. And, you know, these two pieces, it can be a bit challenging. Many authors will actually find it's this third part that can be the most challenging or the most frustrating. And that is, what do you do once you have someone who agrees to read your book? And then how do you actually get them to follow through, right? Some of you listening, you may have had this experience. You get people, they're like, yeah, I'll totally read your book. They're maybe part of an early reader team. Maybe it's just someone who's part of your audience who's agreed to do it. And then, you know, the weeks start going by and you're like, can they hurry up and uh, leave that review? And then you're in this awkward position of like trying to nudge them and follow up with them. 
And also it might feel like, well, they're kind of doing me a favor. So I don't want to like twist their arm too much, but I really need these reviews as an author. So how do you get people to follow through? And that's where you get into some of the, the psychological strategies that we can dive into to getting people to say yes, because I'll start out with this caveat. You do not want to straight up incentivize someone to say, Hey, go leave a review and I'm going to give you X, Y, Z. It's against the Amazon terms of service. You're probably going to end up with biased reviews anyway. And I definitely encourage and would think you would want honest, legitimate, genuine reviews. So you're not going to give them a prize or give them a bonus or something like that. So we can start, Thomas, we like to just get right into the, let's say, finding reviewers. The first place it would be your email list, right? Any email list that you have. And I will say, bottom line, email list size correlates incredibly well with the number of reviews. More so, I would say, than actual sales of the book. Because... A lot of the tactics I imagine you're going to talk about are dependent on being able to ask the reader for a review in various ways. It's like, how do you get more reviews? Believe it or not, a lot of it is just asking, <laughs> asking the right person, asking them in the right way. And if you don't have the ability to communicate directly with your readers, it makes it a lot harder to get reviews. You have to sell a lot more copies of your book per new review that comes in than you would get otherwise. So you're like, but. You know, I thought this was a review episode, not an email episode. It's like, no, the emails aren't just important for selling the book. They're also important for getting reviews for the book. It's also really anything else that you're doing to build your email list to make sure you're getting those right people, part of your audience, they're getting to know, like, and trust you, know the kind of materials that you're putting out there. Then when you ask them for a review, hopefully at that point, even if it's just been a few days or a few weeks, you're really just attracting the ideal quality of people and not quality like they're a better human being than other people, just quality in terms of they're the right fit for what you're writing. More likely to buy your book, more likely to open up your emails, more likely to read a review, you know, real fans as opposed to marginal fans. Okay. So we've been building this list and if you want more help on email list building, I've got dozens of episodes on it. Now, what do we do? We built this big list. We've got the book out. What are some of the next tactics we can use to get more reviews? So the next thing is to send a request. Now, this request obviously could be to the email list. It could also be reaching out to people who maybe review like bloggers, right? They've reviewed other books in your genre, but maybe they have a YouTube channel and they review books. Wherever you're reaching out to someone, you found someone who is an ideal fit for your book or could be, then you're making the request. And the key thing with the request is this, I get submissions. People kind of go, what do you think of this review request? And a lot of times it just starts out with, hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm author of such and such book. This is a book about blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, wait, what? Where Where is this coming from? If all you do is take a few moments to personalize it. And if it's to your email list, it could be like, you can be a little more direct. But if you're going to a random, let's say a book blogger, right? Be like, Hey, I checked out your blog. I love what you're doing. I really like what you said about this particular book, you know, something that's a little more personalized. So it's like, Oh, an actual human being <laughs> wrote this. Who's taken the time to get to know me. And this is true, whether you're requesting book reviews, whether you're pitching a podcast host, anything like that, add a little personal element when you are doing that one to one outreach, then you can transition into, you know, I have a book you might enjoy, and then you want to hook them in into why they want to read this book. So now whether you're going one-to-one -one or to your audience, this is the other big thing. It's not just, hey, I have a new sci-fi thriller book coming out and you want a, a free copy. 
that's okay. If they're already a big fan of you, great. But it's more than just saying it's a free copy of an XYZ book because people can find thousands, tens of thousands of free books out there in whatever genre. The key thing is to hook them in with a short little description or some hook formulas or frameworks. So I'll give a few examples. A really simple framework that just about any author can do is if you're a fan of XYZ, you'll probably enjoy this book. XYZ could be three similar authors. It could be three similar books. It could be even just uh, three, you know, specific descriptors. I think uh, Mr. Ballin has a, uh, you tell stories on YouTube and his whole thing. If you're a fan of the strange, dark and mysterious, right? And so you kind of get like, okay, I know what I'm in for when you hear these stories. So if you're a fan of, you know, I, I might say if I write in personal development, if you're a fan of uh, Tony Robbins, Jack Canfield and John Asraf, you might dig this or whatever, right? So the ideas are very clear. And especially if you are a little bit more niche, I like to be more niche, more specific where they can immediately grasp, oh, okay, yeah, I'm a fan of those authors or those books. So this sounds like a fit for me. That's an example of one type of hook formula. Another example of a formula is if you hate X and or if you love Y. I saw this on a, actually funny enough, a review for the show, uh, The Expanse. If you hate unrealistic plots and uh, improbable dialogue, you'll enjoy this, whatever they said. And it's more than just, oh, if you hate boring books and love entertaining books. Well, yeah, of course. But if there's some trope people are getting really tired of, talk to a, a romance author student. It says she's annoyed by like these really weak, helpless heroines. So if you're tired of, you know, helpless heroines and blah, blah, blah. And if you love a, you know, a strong, empowered woman in your romance, then this is the book for you. Right? You can play around with it and really think what makes your book unique or what are some of the things that you kind of stand against and or you're in favor of. And that's another way of describing your book. The more specific you are here the better of reviews you're going to get, right? You know, your example of, you know, if you hate boring books, that's too vague. <laughs> and, and even the strong female character, I almost feel like, well, that's better. And that will work. It would be even better if it was like even more specific than that, where people were like, yes, that's exactly what I'm tired of. Or that's exactly what I'm looking for. And if you're like, oh, but this will turn people off because not everyone wants that. That's what you want. <laughs> you want to attract just the right kind yep. of person, right? This isn't the only pitch you're going to use for your book. And the more specific it is, the more powerful it will be. And the key thing is the psychology of it. This is another thing I see some people do. They think they got to insert all of these. No, these are just prompts. These are ideas and you could take them or leave them. But the idea is you're adding specific elements. And the big thing is you brought this up, Thomas, you want to turn some people off if they're not the ideal fit. So a good question to ask for your marketing in general is, who is this not for? You probably have seen it, Thomas. Oh, my book is for everyone. <sighs> okay. <laughs> it's not, it's not for everyone. And it's actually, it's going to somewhat hurt your marketing if you can't specifically say who the book isn't for. So I'll give a nonfiction example. Now I have a, a book on habits and I'm very specific. I might say something in my marketing like, now look, this book does not dive deep into all the different scientific studies out there on habit creation. This is not hundreds of pages of in-depth research. If you want that, that's great, but that's not what this is. This is if you want someone that'll get right to the point. If you've ever read a book that you thought, you know, this could have just been a, you know, two-page blog post, what I've done is I'm this is for people who are in a hurry and they just want actionable steps they can apply right away. 
right? Now, I might think of other ways to rephrase that or make that more succinct, but I, I think about who is this book for? Well, it's actually not for people who want to go super in-depth and all the why behind it, all the scientific research. My whole thought process when writing the book is I've done all that research. Now I'm distilling it down and just giving you like the most practical action steps that you can take so you can just go out and, and apply it immediately. That is a legitimate, like there are going to be some people who don't want the quick right to the point type of thing. But a lot of people would actually perceive that as a benefit. Now what happens is you're attracting the right people and they kind of preventing the bad reviews from people who might go, they don't explain how all this stuff, all the science behind it. And I'm like, yeah, no, I told you that <laughs> from the beginning, preventing the negative reviews. And you're thinking who really wouldn't be a fan of this. Now, the funny thing is you still might get some bad reviews. Like I saw someone say like, well, there's, you know, there's so many zombie books. This is overdone or whatever. But it's a zombie book. It's got, it's got zombies on the cover. If you didn't want a zombie book, what are you, what are you doing getting this book? Right? So some people, no matter how clear you are, it's like, it makes you, makes you question humanity at times. This book didn't have any recipes in it. It's like, it's not a cookbook. <laughs> so, exactly. So to, you're not going to completely get rid of that. One of my one star reviews is from someone who goes, Oh, I thought it was Deepak Chopra. I confused Derek Depker with Deepak Chopra. I don't know what to do about that other than one little tip here is actually use that in an email and it gets a chuckle out of people and it's memorable. If you get some negative reviews, especially silly negative reviews or things like that, you're like, this person is really just not a fit for it. I like to use it in marketing. And there's a popular ad. It's a ski resort. The whole ad is like the big picture of the mountain. And then it's a big one star review. And I can actually probably pull it up here to see what it says. So it's a one-star review from this snowboard mountain, and it says, too advanced. Heard snowboard's a tough mountain. This is ridiculous. Felt like every trail was a steep chute or littered with tree wells. How is anyone supposed to ride in that? Not fun. That was their ad. They took the one-star <laughs> review and used that as an ad. Why is that? Because they know who they're not for. They're not trying to attract the beginners. They're looking for the people who go, oh, yeah, I want that challenge. I want that tough mountain. You might think, how could you use a one-star review to promote your book or look at the one-star reviews if you've gotten any of them and use that to be like, hey, this isn't for you if you're looking for X, it is for you if you're looking for Y. So if we're to kind of like encapsulate all this, it's be clear who your book is for, isn't for, and be specific enough in giving a few sentence type of hook or description about your book that gets people going, oh yeah, that sounds like a good book that I want to read above and beyond. Hey, I got this free romance novel. Hey, I got this free self-help book or whatever. We have a local theater here in Austin called the Alamo Draft House. It started to spread around the country, but they have a very strict no talking policy. And in the ad ahead of the films for a long time, they played a voicemail from an angry customer who'd been kicked out of the theater for talking during the movie. And she is really angry. And they play her ad and then they put talk get kicked out. <laughs> That's the end of the ad. <laughs> it's like, if you want to talk while watching the movie, this is not the theater to go to because they're very strict on that. And so they know who they're appealing to. They have a very specific kind of audience and the kind of people who like going to Alamo Draft House are the kind of people who like that rule and like that it makes the talking kind of people angry and they go to AMC or somewhere else. And the other advantage of sharing one-star reviews with your audience is that it can motivate them to leave you five-star reviews, especially if you make it really obvious. If you disagree or if you want to share a review, you know, click here or you know, make sure to leave me a review. It doesn't work as well for podcasts. You can complain about a one-star review on your podcast. A lot of people don't know how to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or they don't have an Apple account. 
<laughs> I've realized it doesn't work as well in that context, but it does work really well. In fact, I know authors who wait and wait and wait for their first one-star review because they know that one-star review shared with their list will give them a big surge, more reviews, because it makes people feel emotional. And I think this is an important point, is that if you want to get someone to leave a review, they have to feel strongly enough to be willing to put in the effort. They've got to have had a powerful emotional experience at the end of the book. It's got to make them angry or happy or excited, or it's got to make them feel something, something to motivate them out of not acting because our default is not to act. You've bought probably a hundred things, a thousand things on Amazon. How many of them have you reviewed? Probably not very many. The ones that you reviewed, five stars, one star, right? Because you feel strongly about the thing. So you need to make people feel strongly about your thing. And a one-star review, especially a really emotionally charged one-star review, can have that effect. That's such a key thing. And it's also a reminder that, first of all, what we're talking about here with reviews, it's sort of a microcosm of the bigger picture of marketing. When you understand how to get reviews, you're learning how to pitch your book. You're learning how to repel the wrong people, so to speak, and attract the right people. And by doing that with reviews, this is helping you in everything else. And what you said about that is it's true. Like a negative review can really activate your fans. I noticed this. If you want to go through this fun slash infuriating process, go check out a book that you really love and check out some of the negative reviews. I remember doing this with a book, really like the book Made to Stick. And I'm like, this is a great book. Like who would ever leave a bad review for this? And I just got curious one day and I go, look, and I'm reading the one star reviews. And I was like, I'm angry. I'm like, <laughs> no, that's not, no, this is a good book. And like, it had so many reviews. I didn't feel quite as compelled to leave a, a positive review because I'm like, they got plenty of reviews. Uh, however, I was like, that was the most motivated I was to just like stop what I was doing and go write a positive review. Cause I'm like, I need to let people know this is a really good book or whatever. You'll feel that you might feel that if you're looking at other books and then go, Oh, wait a second. That can be the same thing for my fans and my readers by actually sharing some of the, the negative reviews or negative feedback. It gets them off the fence and wanting to come to your defense and fight for you, so to speak by they then might want to leave that positive review. So it's like your friends being insulted and you want to come and defend your friend and you feel like you're being insulted. It's like, Hey, I like that book. What are you saying? It's poorly written. You want your readers to have that same kind of passionate reaction to your book. So what a complaint that a lot of authors have is, you know, I asked all these people to leave a review and very few of them did it. They promised me they would, but then they didn't get around to writing the review. So how do you solve that problem? couple of things. One is if you are asking them to leave a review. Now, sometimes you ask them to leave a review. Sometimes I strategically do not ask them to leave a review. And here's what I mean by that. I don't mean you just leave it up to chance. I mean, before asking for a review, let's say it's someone, it could be in an early reader group, whether it's someone who you've read the book, you're following up with them. Before asking them to leave a review, simply ask them how you enjoying the book so far. And what I found happens is even for someone like myself, who I have experience writing reviews and doing testimonials, there's a little bit of a pressure to sit there and write a review that if you were to just ask me, Hey, Derek, you know, how are you enjoying the book so far? Or if we were on a zoom call, have this happen with like courses and the person's like, Oh, how are you enjoying the coaching so far? I'm like, Oh, it's great. Blah, 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 blah. But if they go, Hey, Derek, can you record a video testimonial? Sure. Now I got to schedule the time. I got to think about what I'm going to say. So what happens is if you can kind of sneak it in, so to speak, with just a really disarming question of how are you enjoying the book so far? Well, you might notice a couple things happen. Either they go, oh, I haven't gotten around to reading it yet. 
in which case if they're not ready to write a review we can motivate them to, to want to read it but okay well they're, they're not ready to leave a review then you might have someone who goes the other extreme they're like this was amazing i stayed up all night reading it i love what you said about blah 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 and they will basically just write a review right there in response to your question without them maybe even consciously thinking I'm writing you a review. They are excited and they are just flowing forth with what could basically be a review. I've done this where I just simply go, oh, thank you so much for the positive feedback. Glad you love it. Would you be willing to take seven seconds to copy and paste what you wrote here as a review wherever you purchase the book? I've had people do that. And it's literally a copy and paste job. It's so easy for them that they go do it. If you want to make it even easier, reduce the friction even more. If you know they got it on Amazon, let's say link directly to the Amazon review page for that book. Well, they have to be careful with that because if you get too many reviews to a certain link, it will look inauthentic to Amazon's system. So it can work here and there. But if you're sending everybody to the Amazon review page, their anti-spam system will catch that. I'll put a warning on that, but I totally agree with the tactic because Derek asked me what he thought about his book. I shoot back an email. I'm not writing a review. I'm just shooting an email. I write emails all day long. It's no big deal. And then you respond, hey, that's great. Would you be willing to leave that as a review? I look at what I wrote. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's a review. <laughs> it's all copy and paste it. Or maybe I'll beef it up a little bit. But now suddenly I'm not looking at that blank white box on Amazon asking me what I thought about the book. And now I'm stressing to figure out what to write. And I'm reading the other reviews to make sure I'm kind of in line with everyone else. And now it's just a rehash of the same things that everybody else said. So you end up getting better reviews and more unique and authentic reviews using this method. And if somebody says they hated the book, you don't ask them to leave a review. <laughs> right on. Yeah. So you're filtering in advance for it for people who haven't read it, people who aren't maybe a fan of it. And then the people who are a fan, they can copy it and paste it to Amazon. Now, sometimes they go on and on and on. And maybe you want, well, there's kind of a review in there, but it needs to be cleaned up a little bit. I might clean it up for them a little bit and just kind of send back, oh, so what I'm hearing is basically this, kind of give them a cleaned up version of it. And then you get their permission and say, hey, is this accurate? If so, would you be willing to copy and paste as a review? So on. That's one way of doing it. Now, you might also have some people who go, yeah, I read your book. It's great. Okay, well, that's not quite a review yet. You know, it's a good start. Then you can follow up with some questions. I'm glad you enjoyed it. What specifically did you think was great about it? Or I have a series of questions you can ask. One could be, what would you say to someone else who's considering purchasing this book? The whole idea is you might ask them some follow-up questions. And again, the psychology is they're just in a conversation with you. They're just answering questions. And it's actually now more authentic in many cases, what they're going to say versus them sitting there trying to construct a review, getting in their head. Like you're saying, trying to compare it to other reviews. Some people, that's great. If they're like professional reviewers and they love to like do a really good job, awesome. A lot of people, though, that's still a little bit of an intimidating process. So you bypass it at first by just getting them to kind of flesh it out and then making that request for a review. And it makes it a much better review the more specific it is. So some other questions you could ask. Right? What was your favorite character? What was your favorite chapter? If it's nonfiction, what lesson did you find the most practical? What element did you find the most helpful? Or what made you think differently? What did you disagree with? which is actually a really interesting question because chances are they didn't disagree with anything, but it'll get them thinking about it in a new way that will trigger that conversation. This whole idea is something I call the bridge method. And the idea is you have a bridge between here's the book. Now, will you leave a review? It might be a simple question. How are you enjoying the book? It could also be a questionnaire. 
And I was thinking about this from terms of service, nor from my sense of ethics and morals, incentivize someone to go and leave a review on Amazon. I don't see any issue though with going, hey, I'm really looking for your feedback. Just like a company might have people fill out a customer feedback form or whatever. They go, hey, look at this book coming out. If you're willing to take five minutes to answer this questionnaire, I'll enter you into a drawing or anyone who fills out this questionnaire will get a free audiobook version of the book or some sort of prize for filling out a questionnaire. Make it very clear. This is not asking them to leave a review on Amazon. It's simply asking them if they'd fill out a questionnaire and it gives some of those market research questions, how they discover books and things like that. You ask questions about the book. What did you like? Anything that would have made it even better? What would you say to someone who's considering reading this? So on and so forth. You can incentivize that questionnaire and then through them filling out that questionnaire, which often happens, they end up basically kind of writing a good review somewhere in there, then you can then do the next step, which is optional. It's never incentivized, never prized for this, but just so easy for them at that point to say, hey, I love what you said here. Would you be willing to take seven seconds to copy and paste it as a review? And or may I take some of these words here, kind of give it back to them and use that as a testimonial in my marketing. So you could be incentivizing or motivating the middle step. And the big thing that I like about the questionnaire is you can also put a deadline on it. I like to say, especially when you got a book launch coming up, fill out this questionnaire by such and such date. This is usually for like an early reader group. And now all of a sudden you can follow up and say, hey, remember, if you want to get the whatever thing for filling out the questionnaire, deadline's coming up into this weekend or whenever it is. So now you can follow up in a way that isn't just hounding them because you want something. It's now the positioning is flipped as I don't want you to miss out on this cool prize or you want to take advantage of this, then please remember it only takes five minutes to fill out this questionnaire. Now people are kind of excited about filling out the questionnaire. And again, then you could potentially get reviews out of that. And a lot of people are more than happy to let you use it as a testimonial or a review if they had something really positive to say about your book. I like that. And surveying your readers is really beneficial for you as an author regardless, even if you're not asking them to leave a review at the end. Getting a sense of who they are and what they want is really helpful. And you may find that your readers are different than what you think they are. You have your ideal reader in your head. And that ideal reader may or may not match the actual readers. And so surveying them can be really helpful. One quick point on that. You mentioned your ideal readers in your head. If you find someone that is really passionate about your book and you're like, this person seems to be a big fan, I'd love to see if you can get them on a Zoom call. You can do the questionnaire via Zoom or spend 10, 15, 20 minutes. Some people would be happy to go on for 30 minutes or more. Interesting thing is finding the right type of people, but there are some people who that's not a burden. They love the opportunity to share their opinion and their feelings and, and things like that. And what happens is not only can you ask them some of those clarifying questions a little easier in a back and forth conversation. If you can now, if you're a visual person, obviously, if you're visually impaired, this might not be applicable. And if you can see the person and see the way they respond, I find that it's helpful to not have some abstract person I'm writing to, but I'm writing to Thomas, I'm writing to Sally, I'm writing to this person that I've actually had a conversation with, I kind of feel their energy. So now when I'm writing or marketing, I actually have a real person and that can help the more you've connected, not just through writing, but if you've also you know, hop on a call with them or things like that. Let's talk about some other quick techniques that you can use to get more views. And I'll throw one out there, and that is to put a letter to the reader at the end of the book asking for that feedback and encouraging the review. And my pro tip here is if you're wide, which means that you're not just on Amazon for your ebook, but you're also on Kobo and iBooks and the others, to use Vellum to customize that reader letter. So you have a version of your ebook for each platform that sends them specifically to the platform where they bought their book. 
Because if I bought the book on iBooks, I'm not going to leave you a review on Amazon. I'm the kind of person who doesn't like Amazon. I've purposefully structured my life in such a way where I'm buying books on iBooks and not on Amazon. So if you ask me to leave you a review on Amazon, I'm not going to do that. Same for Kobo, same for all the others. And so just that tiny tweak of being like, hey, would you leave me a review? Here's a link to the book on Amazon or whatever. And they can then tap on their device to go straight to the leave a review page. That reduces the friction and will increase the likelihood that they'll leave you a review. Yeah, great tip. That's something that should be, I'd say, almost standard practice. Have that request at the end. Also make it that universal type of link where they can click the link and then be taken to whichever platform they want to go to. Another thing with that is, especially if it could have an easier time doing this in a review group, you know, there are some people who this is not something I think about. You'll learn in business that things that might seem easy to you could be totally foreign to someone else. Them leaving a review, they may have never left a review on something before. Or they don't remember exactly how to do it. So even just creating a quick little video walkthrough on, hey, here's how you leave a review on this platform, whether it's Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever. Hey, so when you're on this page, go here, click here, enter your headline. Here's an example of maybe a type of headline that you can do. You put your review in here and hit submit or whatever. Just something as simple as that where a person goes, okay, I, I see what I'm getting myself into. As a more tech savvy person, I don't think of that stuff, but having dealt with some people who it's... How do I write a review? Oh, yeah, not, not everyone knows how to do that. So even this whole idea of the theme that keeps coming up is reduce friction. Make it easy for people. Anticipate the objections or the obstacles that they would have and then consider strategies to help them with that. Another quick tip is if you have someone who left you a great review or they've sent you an email back or a message back on social media, they're a fan of the book and they loved it. Go, great. You know anyone else who might be interested in this? Or do you know anyone else who might be interested in joining this early reader beta group type of thing? So going for referrals. Once you have a fan, they can be a source of new fans. And it's a pretty easy thing, especially if you do have a reader group where people are able to get a free copy. It's an easy offer for them. They're not having to go necessarily sell your book for you, although that's another good strategy is getting them to promote a book. They're just saying, hey, would you like to invite someone else to be a part of this free early reader group or whatever it is? So leveraging the existing fans to bring in even more fans. And a personal thank you. You send them a personal email saying, hey, Joe, I saw that you left me a review on Amazon. I just want to say thank you so much. The likelihood of him leaving you another review for your next book just went way up. Imagine how you would feel if your favorite author sent you a personal thank you for leaving them a review and building this long-term relationship with your fans. Yeah, for me, I might word things like, hey, if you enjoy this book and you want to share it with others so others can get the same um, nonfiction, the same benefit that you got, or you want to help spread the word, or you might see something like this, you know, every review helps me continue to bring this work out to you or whatever. So giving them a why behind it. So people, they might want to be a part of a cause or a mission, or hopefully people, at least the people I want in my audience are somewhat service oriented. They want to serve the world and make a positive difference. So helping them realize that, you know, your review it helps me, it helps others like you to enjoy this book. And sometimes that little reminder, that little prompt of, oh yeah, this is actually doing something good for others, that not only can motivate the reviewers, it can also motivate you as the author. Because when I'm asking for reviews, it's not a purely self-serving, give me reviews. I'm thinking like, I want more people to discover this book. I think they're going to enjoy it, Nick. It's going to help the right people. So marketing now becomes a further act of service and reminding other people, the readers, how their review helps the world in some sense. That can be another motivating thing. Yeah, 
connecting with the cause is so powerful. And if not every book, this is a good fit for, right? But if there's some sort of religious angle or political angle or cause of some other kind that your book can connect to, then you're not asking for somebody to review your book. You're asking them to help you join the cause, right? This is the classic raising money for a nonprofit. You don't say, hey, will you donate money to our nonprofit? You say, hey, will you help us feed starving children? You're not giving money to the nonprofit. You're giving money to starving children. And the, the more you focus on that cause and the actual benefit that the nonprofit is doing, the benefit that the book is helping with, the change the book is bringing about in the world, people want to be a part of that. They want to help if what your book is doing is a good thing. And if the book is purely entertainment and it's not connected with the cause, it's okay. You can still get reviews. But if it does have that angle, you may be tempted to be embarrassed about the angle. You're embarrassed that the book is religious. You're embarrassed that you have political feelings that have worked their way into your story. Don't be embarrassed. <laughs> this is a strength, not a weakness. And there are other people who agree with you who will rally to your book and rally to your reviews. And all you have to do is ask them, join me on this cause. We're doing good in the world. Yeah, right on. And even for a novel, the simple thing to realize is that people are a fan of you and your work. There are people who want to support you. One other thing I'll say here, you kind of hinted at it. We're talking some high-level concepts. Realize that you're not necessarily reaching out and making all of these requests at once. You mentioned it, Thomas. I'm glad you brought it up, like where maybe asking for a referral. It's not like, hey, uh, you know, they respond back. Okay, cool. Can you leave this as a review? It's not going to hurt to have a couple requests, but I like to kind of bounce it back and forth. Hey, would you be open to sharing the copying pastes as a review? You know, send them a thank you. Would you be open to the comment? Okay, cool. Great. Now, just after they do that and respond back, hey, do you know anyone else who might be interested? I tend to like to just kind of keep it focused on one thing at a time. If they respond back and they give a vague answer, hey, what else specifically did you like about this? Maybe one or two questions, but I don't want to bombard them with too many requests or too many things at a time. Marketing is usually one particular call to action. So what I notice is sometimes people will send messages or emails and it's 10 different things they want them to do in the email. Leave a review on Amazon. Leave a review of Goodreads. You're right. Post about it on social media. Yep. And it's like this 30 minutes worth of scavenger hunt. Nobody's going to do 30 minutes worth of scavenger hunt for your book. <laughs> Think about like you're in a conversation with people. People get out of this mindset of I got to give them everything in one massive email. Especially <laughs> you can get into pitches and stuff too that I'm sure you've probably seen this, Thomas, as well. Just think. I'm in a conversation with them. How'd you enjoy the book? I said this. Okay, well, maybe another follow-up in this kind of back and forth type of thing. If you get that, actually a lot of other pieces fall into place. And one other thing with that, conversation in your tone. Sometimes I see these emails or these pitch requests and they've heard some of my formulas. They've heard other things. And then it's so formulaic where I'm like, it sounds like a robot wrote this. Like, talk to me like a human being. Hey, I heard you on that podcast. Love what you had to say about this, blah, blah, blah. So I'm working on whatever. And now it feels human. It's something about being online. I think disconnects some people from their humanity. So reconnect, get in touch with your humanity in your messaging and in your approach. And that can go a long way. Yeah, don't put all of your requests all in when email. It reminds me of several years ago, LA had a fourth of july fireworks show and there was a mix-up and all the fireworks went off all at once and you think that'd be like the best fireworks show ever right because they launched 30 minutes of fireworks all in one big boom but no <laughs> everyone left really disappointed it was really sad a good conversation has a back and forth a good fireworks show has some big moments so there's a lot of things going on and some quieter moments and it's more like a piece of music and interacting with readers is that same way and it requires some patience and it requires some respect. You've got to respect your readers and you got to treat them like real people. Derek, tell us about your book reviews challenge. 
Yeah, so the book reviews challenge, if you want, it's broken down step by step. If you want to see example emails, more frameworks, a whole list of resources of how to find reviews, so on and so forth, then I have a challenge I put together. I'll have a link to the book reviews challenge. You can find it at bookreviewschallenge.com, but also I'll have an affiliate link if you want to help support the show while taking that challenge. It's a five-day challenge, and I believe it's $20. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And money-back guarantee. So it's five focus days to help you get more book reviews. You can find it at bookreviewschallenge.com. And again, I'll have a link in the show notes at authormedia.com. Derek, any final tips or encouragement? I was working with an author, and she was like, Oh, I, uh, you know, I, I can't get this opt-in page working for my review group or this or that or the other one. And as we dug a little deeper, I realized she was kind of scared to ask for reviews. She didn't want it to be a burden. And she had multiple books out and been doing the author thing for years. So she finally sent the email requesting it. And what she saw was people going, I love to be a reviewer for your new book. People were excited. And it was just this shift where she goes, Oh, wait, this isn't like an annoyance to people. This is an opportunity. They are happy to do this. And that can shift your whole approach from, oh, I got to like intrude on them to I'm now showing up and I look at being of service. Imagine you're walking into a party and you're a server and you got a tray of appetizers or d'oeuvres on your tray and you're just going up to people. Hey, would you care for some? And some people are like, no, thanks. Right? Some people are like, oh, thank you so much. My blood sugar was getting low. I was going to have to leave the party. I was so upset that oh, this is exactly what I needed. Thank you so much. And you go, that's what you're doing, whether it's requesting reviews or offering your, your book to the world. Approach it with that sense that you have a gift. You have something of service. Not everyone's going to want it, and that's okay. The people who it is a good fit for, they're going to be so grateful that you went out and you told them about your book. Well said. Well said. You've been listening to Derek Depker and Thomas Umstadt on the Novel Marketing Podcast. Yes, I'm fighting a cold if my voice sounds a little bit different. That's why hopefully by next week, my voice will be back. This episode's audio was edited by William Umstadt. The blog post version is crafted by Shauna Lettler. And to read that blog post version of this episode and to find the links to the other episodes we talked about and to Derek's five-day challenge, you can find that all at authormedia.com. Thank you for listening and live long and prosper.